Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery. On this show, we cover some sensitive topics. Though the obituaries may be outlandish, the people are real. Names have been changed or omitted in order to respect both the deceased and the survived by. While death is no laughing matter, some petty last words can provide some pretty entertaining comic relief. Welcome to Obituary. Welcome back to Obituary. I'm Lovey. And I'm Dovey. And I'm Darlene. <laughs> Dorsey. That was the third oh. sister. <laughs> and I'm Dorsey. Dorsey. No, you know who you are? You're my son. <gasps> oh my God. All these bitches is my sons. <laughs> <laughs> my stop sons. Oh my God. God, it's like when like musicians or lyricists try and make words rhyme in a song, but they they don't. Mm-hmm. Kind of like like the Justin Timberlake, like it's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. So actually, I think you're just a creative musical genius. Oh, I see what you're doing. You're tying it all the way back. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) First things first on my agenda is, did you see that Bob Saget, they (gasps) released his cause of death? Head trauma. Head trauma. He hit his head, I guess. And then thought nothing of it, went to sleep. It. Ha- I mean, it happens. It's scary. So scary. Well, we were just talking the other day, if you're okay with talking about this, but you had an episode where you fainted in your kitchen. Twice, yeah. And hit your head. Yep. I went to get something out of the refrigerator, I guess, like in the middle of the night, and I just slammed back down onto the floor. 
and I woke up to my husband screaming because he said he heard something. He got out of bed, walked to the kitchen and saw like a puddle of blood by my head. This was like maybe four, three or four years ago. It was so scary. I woke up crying because I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's terrifying. Terrifying. And then I was like, okay, I'm not calling a fucking ambulance. Like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Could not stop throwing up. Finally called an ambulance. And I was like, oh my God, there's going to be hot EMTs. Call an ambulance, but not for me. (laughs) (laughs) But they put me in a neck brace and took me in an ambulance. I would love to see it. I know. And they were like, kind of like, they wouldn't let him tell the story. Because I think they're probably used to like domestic altercations and stuff like that. But I was like, he didn't fucking do anything. I literally fainted. And they don't know. They don't know. They don't know what's what it is but i haven't fainted since so oh my god scary i know just fall in a lot and ambulances are embarrassing sorry like i've been in an ambulance or two in my life and it's always it's never it's always embarrassing it's like oh the lights are you kidding me the lights the i mean fucking... you and i are so nosy that it pulling like the ambulance pulling up to my house i was like oh my god there's gonna be people in their robes because it was like at 2 a.m outside and i don't blame them it's so true we are like the gladdest kravitz of the neighborhoods that we live in and my favorite was do you i don't know if we've ever talked about this on here when we used to do the police scanner (laughs) i don't know if we have if we've talked about it There was this app, this was years ago, but there was this app called like 5-0 Radio or something and it would play the local police scanner, like what was happening in your area. Shit was always popping off, like especially at my old apartment, there was always something happening. I mean, we live in a city, so Uh there's bound to be some excitement, but we would want to know. And we would listen to it, and sometimes it would be like the cross streets would be like right by one of our houses, and we'd be like, should we drive by? (laughs) And we allegedly absolutely fucking would, and even look up police codes. (laughs) We were like trying to describe them to each other, like, yeah, I think it means this. We're like, what's a 594C? I'm like, okay, wait, let me Google it. (laughs) Oh, just an auto break-in. An automobile break in. Let's find something yeah, else. We're not driving there for that. No. We'll go to In and Out first and wait for something good. <laughs> we never put ourselves in dangerous positions, or we also never got in the way or anything like that. But they'd be like, there's a man trying to break down the door at 7 Eleven. We'd be like, okay, I want to drive by. I want to see. <laughs> yeah. My God. Remember, I was on the phone with you that one time. <laughs> that one time. I was on the phone with you and I was driving and people were honking at me and I'm like, oh my God, all these people behind me are honking. Like, what the f*** are their problems? Then I realized I wasn't supposed to be making a left turn. (laughs) And then I was like, Spencer, I'm getting pulled over. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, we were on FaceTime, I think, because you had been on the, we weren't like FaceTime and driving, but I think we started the call on FaceTime before you were driving. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the little flashing lights <laughs> in the FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. It's like, oh, bye, girly. Dumbass. Let me know if you need me to bail you out. I got you. God, I know. <laughs> At my one of my old jobs, we had this guy. 
<laughs> and it, on New Year's once, like, you know, everyone says like, oh, don't get in any trouble. Like, don't don't get arrested. Like, have fun tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. We like said that to each other and whatever. And <laughs> the next morning, I guess my boss got a call from him like, um, I'm actually in jail. <laughs> oh, no. Dude, one of my, I think it was after like a 4th of July or something. One of my old coworkers at one of my first jobs, we got a call at work and she was like, yo, like I'm in jail. I need you to come get me. Like things got crazy. And it's like, okay, <laughs> word, like I'll come get you. And so I went to pick her up from jail I got there and they were like, oh, we actually released her like 10 minutes ago. And I knew this this was crazy. And so I was like, where's the nearest bar? <gasps> you just and they were, they were like, it? it's down the street. Yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I knew exactly. I was like, where's the nearest bar? And they were like, oh, it's like down over on blah, 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 blah. And so I went and sure enough, I found her there. Having a hair of the dog after getting out of jail. Oh, I guess she deserves it. Oh my god. It was like, try. I tried. I tried with her. I was like, come on, girl, ride the sober train. Like, it's so much fun. But, you know, I think she's out there. She's thriving, I hope. And God bless her. Yeah, God bless. You can't fix everyone. Oh god, and you can't try to. Okay, so last week we were talking about... Like, joking, kind of. Like, oh, we should do a book, whatever. But, like, your guys' response. We've gotten a lot of messages and emails and all kinds of things now. And a so now lot. You've, tricked, you've tricked us into thinking that we deserve to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> we were, like, talking today. I, like, texted her. I'm like, hey, girly, should we write a book? <laughs> like, should we actually do it? Why not? Why not? If we had the opportunity to do so, we would pour our heart and soul into it because... So we, like, looking back, I mean, we have thousands of notes for the episode, you know? Like, we each research pretty heavily so that we're not sounding like dumbasses. It's like a book report. Is already inevitable. But exactly, (laughs) I know, it is. It's like a book report. And sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, this is good stuff, I think. (laughs) It's just like this plagiarized book we wrote. (laughs) (laughs) In the. You know, in our book, we're like, well, according to Scoop Whoop. <laughs> according to Wikipedia, said. <laughs> according to Rotten.com. What was the first one we lost? Random.com. Ran- and then moron.org or whatever. Well, actually, you know what? I read a lot of true crime books, especially for Cult Leader. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, a lot of them do have, like, in their bibliography, in their book, they have, like, Wikipedia and all these other ones linked as sources, so. Oh, really? Yeah. If if they can do it. Why can't we? Why can't we? And then another thing that we received a lot of messages and feedback about was my little story of when I ate Lucky Charms with weed in it in middle school. Uh-huh. Remember I was telling that story about how we just straight up ate weed, but we didn't like cook it or anything? Yeah. Well, we got one email. Well, we got many emails, but this one I thought was funny. It says, re-lucky charms. Hello, you beautiful bitches. 
Just listen to episode 34 and you mentioned your mishap with trying to make edibles with cereal and I was cackling. That's totally something I would have tried because the logic sounds so solid. You also weren't sure if you could actually get high from it. And as a bud tender, a street pharmacist, a drug dealer with taxes, etc., <laughs> I thought I'd answer your question. I'm not sure if you'll be relieved or disappointed to learn that it's not possible to get high from eating a bud of weed. Heat really? is what activates it. And the human body is not warm enough to activate it. To make edibles, it has to go through a process called decarboxylating, which is a ridiculously hard word to say, meaning cook it. And while you can put straight up plant matter into your food after baking it, the most efficient and less crunchy way is by infusing some type of oil with it. Do with this information what you will. I'm a stoner and and cannabis is fascinating to me, so apologies if I ramble. Anyways, I love your dynamic, Madison. Your laugh is contagious and you both make me want to start my own true crime-ish podcast with my best friend, but I don't know what we'd do to set us apart from the thousands of others. Maybe stone true crime? (laughs) That'd probably be really funny. (laughs) That would probably be a hit. A hit! (laughs) <laughs> a hit. you guys do something so unique and fun that there's no podcast like you keep it up you're amazing i love being a geoff and a cult babe love hearing about anthropodermic bibliopagy and philippia and death erections and all of your coffin spinners goodbye lexi oh. lexi, lexi thanks for filling us in thank you i wanted to read it too because one i really didn't know i mean i don't do weed anymore and well we've all heard weed. about your last experience <laughs> With the jazz cabbage. Talk about going to jail. Oh my god. I don't think I don't think they'd be able to get you off the couch to take you to jail. It's true. I'd probably <laughs> melt on the way there. That's how it feels. You're like the girl in that commercial that's just like deflated into yeah. the couch. <laughs> Have you seen those memes? Because like I remember that and then a commercial that was like, This is your head. And it was like an egg. Or no, this is your brain. And then this is your brain on drugs. And it's like a fried egg. <laughs> There's memes that are like, Yeah, I saw all these and it never stopped me. <laughs> like, yeah. Same. No. God, not as a teenager, especially. Well, I love it. And so now for all the geoffs who didn't know, if you've been snacking on cannabis, you're you're doing it all wrong. I'm pretty sure no one's doing it like you. Oh, just me? <laughs> huh? What? I would be down to try one of those like infused dinners, you know, but I think I be too scared. Do it on a Thursday night when we record, please. <laughs> so I will speak gibberish, Spencer. You know. <laughs> you already do. <laughs> the crazy <laughs> The crazy thing is, is like, I don't think weed hits me like right away. Like I will be normal and then I will switch. Oh yeah. It I've seen it. It's like an on off switch. Scary. You'll just all of a sudden be laughing. <laughs> uncontrollably (laughs) oh my god i was saying today i posted right before we started on my stories like the amount of times that we have to stop and redo a cameo just because we're laughing so hard or can't even get through it (laughs) i know oh my god we were laughing today we're like what are we are we technically clowns (laughs) getting paid yes literally we're jesters yes that is what we are i love it we are just entertainers now spencer i mean you've been but now you got a partner (laughs) howdy partner (laughs) (laughs) we also got a lot of response about the organ donor stuff we had some emails we did we had some emails about bone marrow 
donation also and how important it is. So we need to... Shout out to Bone Marrow. Shout out Bone Marrow. My sister and brother actually both went and donated blood the other day. Did I ever tell you the story of when my mom gave blood? No, I don't think so. So before she was retired, she, you know, worked and their office was like, hey, we're doing a blood drive, like come and give blood. And so she would always go give blood. So she did it. She gave blood. She walked back into her office and sat down at her desk and was like just back to work. And like she doesn't know how much time passed. But apparently she had just passed out in her chair with like her mouth wide open and like people were walking by like, what is going on? And they had to wake her up and like give her crackers and stuff. But oh, sweet mama. Oh imagine though like oh my god one of me and olivia's favorite stories from when we were little about our mom is we were like sitting in front of the tv just as kids Uh and my mom was vacuuming and she passed out for some reason she like fainted and hit her head on the table oh no and we didn't see it happen we just heard her yell we couldn't hear what she was saying we thought she was saying turn it up turn it up (laughs) So we started turning the TV up, but she was saying, turn it off, turn it off. (laughs) She's like, turn it off, turn it off. We're like, huh? Louder? (laughs) Oh my God, idiots. That's that's Again, really unsure if I want children one day. God. (laughs) Not always helpful. I know. (laughs) (laughs) God. What did you guys do when you found out what she was saying? I think she was like mad, understandably. Like she was just like, I said, turn it off. Like, hello. But (laughs) going back to those emails. So we got a lot of from donors i mean the episode just went up i don't know a couple hours ago Mm -hmm. but someone said thank you so much for going over this madison i was bawling i just got a kidney transplant and many people don't understand a lot about organ donation and there are so many people that need organs 22 people die a day in need of an organ and i'm still emotional it's a life-saving gift i am forever in debt and i think about it every day thanks again for going over this which is so sweet and wow congratulations On your new kidney. Oh my God. We love it. And then someone else said heart transplants. They said, hi, thank you for your show. I've paused at the very beginning of the discussion to send a quick message. My husband had a heart transplant on January 1st, 2019. If you have any questions, send them my way and I will do my best to answer them. As an aside, nurses and doctors certainly know more about transplants and regulations, but donor recipients and their families experience so much more. Tara. And I was like, oh, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I'm sure it's just wild. If you guys have any questions, maybe let us know or email them to us. Mm-hmm. We'll ask Tara. We'll ask a husband. Tara will be our honorary um, organ donation. Or do we put her in charge of hearts and then we put the other one in charge That's of kidneys? True. We'll subcategorize. I'm sure it's different for everyone. I'll be in charge of brains. Yes. <laughs> if you have any questions about brain transplants or how we can get one for Madison, just let us know. 
Maybe a lobotomy even, just something. (laughs) Come on. Oh my god. All right, well, you're up first this week, so I have a little side bitch for us. Ooh, give it to me, baby. Mine actually found me this week because I was procrastinating Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to find one. And then I was on uh, Twitter, and I saw that... Do you know the band Best Coast? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you probably know their album. Like they, they have like a really famous album cover that. Yeah, I know what it's you're like yellow. About. It has the cat on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well the cat passed away. Oh. I know, and it literally popped up on Twitter as I was procrastinating trying to find my first obituary for the week, and I was like, "Oh, that's like meant to be," because mm-hmm. there is an article that spin.com did on the cat his name is snacks Aww, for those of you who snacks. don't know he is on the cover of best coast 2010 debut album crazy for you it says the beloved snacks who was the cat owned by band member bethany constantino has died the ginger snacks also graced the cover of waves king of the beach and was most recently featured on the cover art for best coast new single leading Quote, I always knew this day would come, but I hoped it never would. I said goodbye to my angel baby snacks this afternoon, Constantino wrote on Instagram. He was not just my cat. He belonged to all of you. He was the third member of this band, our mascot, our cover star, our merch king. She continued, he meant everything to me and I'm going to miss him so much, but I know he will live on forever by the way of the legacy he created simply by being himself. He loved you all so much and knew you loved him. 14 wonderful years. I'm honored that I got to be his mom. I love you forever, Snacks. Long live the king. Oh, that gives me the chills. I know. And even Waves honored Snacks on Twitter by saying there are literally thousands of you fans with this cat tattooed on their bodies and they will <laughs> carry his spirit with him. Oh, the first couple lines that she said kind of got me. Like, I knew this day would come, but I ho- I wished that it never did or I hoped that it never would. No one ever wants to do it. I mean, it's like, so sad thinking about losing a pet because they are like family and we can't even go there. I know. We can't even because I can't handle it. No, I do crazy things in my head sometimes where I'm like, all right, hot dog's life expectancy is this. And then I'll start thinking, I'll be like, God, she's already lived a quarter of her life or she's already lived a third of her life. And I'm like, stop thinking, stop thinking, stop thinking. First of all, (laughs) she's a chihuahua. She's going to live to like 30. I hope she's just one of those mean old chihuahuas that's just like, Egh. Yeah, <laughs> but still by your side. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. I can't even, can't even think about it. What else? Oh, this is, this is um like a Valentine's Day episode. Wait, are you ready for this King Henry VIII fact about Valentine's Day? Yes, but what was the other thing you told me about King Henry VIII? And you were like, bitch, he was born on this day. Oh, because it was something to do with January 27th or 28th. What What was was it? it? What happened on that day? That was the day he died, but I don't remember why, (laughs) why it was shocking to us. It had something to do with obituary. You know what it was? Our anniversary, (gasps) January 28th, the podcast anniversary is... 
King Henry VIII's death date, January 28th, 1547. One of our geoffs named Sarah wrote that to us on Instagram. It is meant to be. Well, I also saw, or I was looking up something for cult leader for around Valentine's Day, and I landed upon the information that St. Valentine's Day was officially recognized by King Henry VIII. Who loved to be in love. Oh, he was just a love machine. So he was the one who like declared it an official no way thing for there at least at the time. He oh. chose, I think, February 14th as like Valentine's Day. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you, King Henry VIII. Daddy. Daddy. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Daddy. We love King Henry VIII now. Oh. We've been struck by Cupid's bow. Oh my god, I love his smelly little self. <laughs> love his, his little exploding body. Oh my god. <laughs> Smash him all over me, babe. God love him. Let's take a quick break. Okay. And then I want to hear what's got you spinning in your coffin this week. All righty. We'll be right back. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. And we're back. What's got you spinning, babe? All righty. Well, today I wanted to talk about Poison. Oh, my favorite band. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yes. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> what if you just came on here? You're like, I'm here to talk about 80s sensation poison. Yes. Is that Brett Michaels? <laughs> yes, it is Brett Michaels because they do every rose. Every rose. They were so cool. And I'm wearing a bandana around my head with hair glued onto it. <laughs> you are Brett Michaels, and this is Rock of Love. <laughs> I fucking miss 
those sh- flavor of love i love new york rock of that love. was like the best time i think for reality tv because you still got a lot of authentic weirdos you didn't just have people trying to be weird to get famous yes exactly so yeah we're talking about poison. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like every their first EP was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just turning turned into a '80s tribute podcast podcast cover band. <laughs> God, love it. So I was researching, and I'm gonna do this in a different episode, but. Fatal attractions, like different tourist attractions that like where people died. And anyway, it kind of took a turn into poison because I came across this place called the Alnwick Castle. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. And it's in the UK. So at the castle, it's a castle that you can visit. It's beautiful. There's like 12 acres of land or something like a ton of a ton of land beautiful gardens, beautiful place to visit. So a woman named Jane Percy, she became a duchess in 1995 and she inherited the Alnwick Castle. Cool. Yeah. And so I guess on the grounds at the time there, you know, there was gardens and all of that, but it kind of like wasn't taken care of. It was unkept. And the first plants were planted back in the 1700s. But again, it was just kind of unloved and abandoned. So she restored it. It's beautiful. There's rose gardens, cherry blossoms, everything. But she also decided to add a poison garden to it. Oh, (laughs) she said, you know what this needs? (laughs) if you've ever been to like the Huntington Gardens or like you know just big gardens you can visit there's Filoli Gardens is my favorite and that's in San Francisco and it's beautiful and I'm gonna take you there next time we go up oh are you gonna propose (laughs) yeah propose that you get a lobotomy (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna take you to the poison garden Um, so you're walking around, just imagine, you're like, oh God, this is so beautiful. And then you see big black iron gates around this one area of the garden. Cool. And signs on the iron gates with skull and crossbones on them and signs that say these plants can kill. I love that. That's the first place I would want to go in. Here's what it looks like. It's beautiful. Stunning. Right? It looks, it actually looks a lot like Filoli. Oh, yeah. And there's the poison garden. These plants can kill. I just, it feels like, like a movie. It's so cool. Like Goosebumps-ish. Yeah, exactly. So apparently you are not allowed inside of the poison garden unless you are on a guided tour. And the place is surveillance 24-7, so you can't break in. But there are even plants in there that have, like, black cages around them because they're so poisonous. On their website, Uh it says, quote, Visitors are strictly prohibited from smelling, touching, or tasting any plants. Although some people still occasionally faint from inhaling toxic fumes while walking in the garden. Is that not crazy? (sighs) That's... I want to go. Yeah, apparently, yeah. (laughs) Visitors pass out and there's like over a hundred different types of poisonous plants that were flown in from all over the world. Well, I was wondering what I was going to do with my backyard, but now I'm getting ideas. There you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. Call it Deader Homes and Gardens, baby. Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> I mean, it. Huh? Are you, you going to propose? <laughs> oh, okay, that's like, do you that's have the weird. same feeling as when you accidentally tell a teacher you love them? <laughs> I've never done that. Huh? After reading about the Alnwick Garden, I was like, I like knew in my heart of hearts that Victorians had to do something with poison. Like I just knew. I was just like some some shit went down with poison. So I looked it up. Lo and behold, this episode is going to have to be like a two-parter because there are a lot of just different things that they did. There's one thing I'm going to talk about that's not necessarily poison, but caused death. Just crazy Victorians. <laughs> Those wacky Victorians <laughs> with their pale bodies and dead eyes. <laughs> I mean, from Snapdragon to death photos. Who knows? Who knows? So Victorian baby bottles were not necessarily poisonous, but they kind of were. Were they made of mercury? No, you'd think, but no. So a baby bottle seems harmless, right? Well, no. Many people referred to these bottles as murder bottles. <laughs> oh. While these weren't exactly poisonous, they were a breeding ground for bacteria. So the bottles were usually glass and had like a long rubber tube running in the bottle out of it. So like picture like a glass bottle with a straw in it and that straw is rubber. And then at the end of this part that goes in your mouth there's like a baby bottle nipple on it that's crazy that they had those back then why i don't know i would think like the rubber and all that would be like more of like a recent innovation they were made out of rubber sometimes and sometimes animal like different animal skins like hide i guess but the rubber and the animal skin was extremely porous and so it was just a breeding ground for bacteria to grow. And the mm. shape of the bottle was extremely hard to clean. Like you couldn't get to every crevice. I'll post a picture of it. I saw in one article like, oh, it's shaped like a banjo. And it kind of is. In an article from babybottlemuseum.co.uk. <laughs> from Baby Bottle Pops. Oh, baby bottle pops. My mom would never buy me those. They say, quote, not only were they difficult to clean, but a very popular figure of the time, a Victorian lifestyle guru called Mrs. Beaton of Mrs. Beaton's household management. I found her book on Amazon. I'm buying it and I'm going to, we got to talk about it. She gave the advice to not wash the teat. For two to three weeks. Oh my god. And people loved her advice. So they these mothers would not wash the baby bottle for two to three weeks. The bacteria mixed with liquid would cause like infant pneumonia, uh, diarrhea, dehydration, and babies were dying. And the fucked Horrible. up. Horrible. It's fucked up. It's crazy because the... They were named, like the company names or like the product names were Little Cherub or Mummy's Darling. And like just they really played on 
a Victorian mother's ability to be a good mom because infant mortality rate was so high. So moms, you know, wanted to do everything that they could to keep a baby alive. But also the bottle was a way for them to kind of get their life back a little bit. Essentially, the bottle allowed children to feed themselves. Right. Mrs. Beaton also was a proponent of breastfeeding. However, she told women to drink a ton of beer while they were breastfeeding. <laughs> like, she's like, smoke three Virginia Slims yeah. and then take a shot of whiskey. <laughs> So I I can't wait to learn more about her. The materials and the baby, just the baby bottles were murder bottles. Okay, people. But speaking of Mrs. Beaton, she also advised everyone to do something to their milk to make it last longer and not spoil. And it turned out to be poisonous and deadly. She basically advised that you add boracic acid to your milk. Boracic acid is like borax or like you shouldn't be ingesting it. Yeah. So it worked as far as removing any gross sour taste from milk and even kind of like adding a little sweet flavor to it because back then there weren't really like preservatives to preserve the milk for very long. So she was like, put this in your milk. It's going <laughs> to taste better. Why were they listening? She was like the Martha Stewart. Like she was like the it girl, the lifestyle guru. Love it. Listverse.com says, quote, the effects of brassic acid on adults are usually mild, such as nausea, stomach cramps, and diarrhea. However, the chemical hid the taste of turned milk, meaning many people drank what wasn't fit for consumption with upsetting consequences. But for children... It says too much boracic acid can cause seizures, neurological problems, and even death in the very group most in need of the health-giving benefits of milk. So they listen to her and they poison themselves. Oh my god. Now, I think my favorite poison that I've learned about is arsenic. My favorite poison. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite poison. Arsenic was used in so many things during this era I'm learning. Arsenic trioxide is also known as white arsenic. So it was colorless, tasteless, and it was very cheap. It's crazy because they knew that arsenic could have deadly effects. It was used around the world as like murder, like as a way to murder people. Like people knew this, but they still, I guess because it was so cheap, used it for, you know, just like household things. Yeah. I mean, you you should have used this, actually. They used it for rat poison. Oh, my God. It probably would have helped me save me some money in a move. (laughs) (laughs) But like that seems valid to me. Like, okay, we have things under our sink that we know are poisonous if ingested. But like they had things under their sink that were poisonous if ingested and they also didn't fucking label anything and every bottle looked the same so there were a ton of accidental deaths due to arsenic poisoning too it's white powder it kind of looks like flour okay we're gonna bake a cake with it and kill our family perfect so (laughs) shit like that would happen and also it was used by wives to kill their husbands or husbands to kill their wives It's very hard to detect in the system because it kind of like mimics other things happening in the, oh, this looks like diphtheria or whatever. There was that type of arsenic. Then there was copper arsenic. That was a green color. 
if you Google or will post pictures of it, it is that gorgeous, beautiful Victorian green. Like when I think of the Victorian era, I think of that like emeraldy jewel like beautiful green color yes i know what you're talking about yeah the name of the green was shields green because carl shield was the chemist who discovered it so everyone referred to that arsenic green as shields green now that green color because it was so beautiful it was so in demand it was used in so many things Makeup products, dyes for clothing, bedding, linens, wallpaper, like everything that had that green color most likely had arsenic in it. Wallpaper was one of the materials that was the most potent with arsenic. And because it was lined throughout a Victorian home, it would take out entire families. That like beautiful, I don't know what it's, what type that design is called. Or like, is it like the floor de lis or whatever? Like that swirly mm-hmm. design that was like very, very popular. And so people would line their homes in this wallpaper, not knowing that it was full of arsenic and it would take out entire families. Well, first of all, <laughs> that's like lead paint. It's like, look at all the oh, shit that I'm has lead paint there. in it. I'm getting there. While we're here on the topic, did you know that Napoleon motherfucking boner parte he had his house he had the walls painted with that green you were talking about Uh uh-huh and a lot of people say that his cause of death is linked directly to that because he had stomach cancer and they believe that it was from the arsenic in the wall color oh i guarantee (laughs) i guarantee but he he probably deserved it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, they're getting political. Oh, please. BuzzFeed wrote an article titled, Victorians were obsessed with a shade of green that killed them. In it, they talked about factory workers who worked closely with this green dye. It was pretty horrific. They talked about this one girl, and it says, quote, In 1861, Matilda Schur was one such factory worker who dusted flowery hair pieces with the pigment. The poison infiltrated her body so aggressively that she developed green-tinted eyes and fingernails. She vomited green, and before dying, she claimed to see nothing but green. It's like the uranium girls. Uh Uh-huh. And she was only 19. Fuck, man. So arsenic was also used in many beauty products, including soaps and... Lipstick, right? Everything. Literally everything had this shit in it. And it was meant to, like, clear freckles, make one more radiant, clear pimples, um, make white women look even more white, because that was, like, the standard of beauty. AtlasObscura.com wrote in an article titled The Poisonous Beauty Advice Columns of Victorian England and talked about the different beauty ideals during that era and also spoke with a woman who studies Victorian makeup. In it, it says, quote, To keep the face fresh, she advises coating the face with opium overnight, <laughs> followed by a brisk wash of ammonia in the morning. Ugh. 
For the woman with sparse eyebrows and eyelashes, mercury was often recommended. <laughs> oh, my a- God. They're like fucking light yourself on fire at nighttime <laughs> and wa- <laughs> burn away the day before. Exactly. <laughs> so mercury was often recommended as a nightly eye treatment eradicating the need to use heavy makeup. Oh, yeah, because you'd be like this. Whoa! (laughs) 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 Mr. Eyes! (laughs) The look of the consumptive was very desirable. The woman with the watery eyes and pale skin, which of course was from the cadaver in the throes of death. It goes on to say, quote, To get this near-death look, women would squeeze a few drops citrus juice or perfume into their eyes or reach for some belladonna drops, which lasted longer but also caused blindness. Oh, well, you have to pick and choose when you're getting ready for the day. <laughs> exactly. Pale skin was encouraged with veils, gloves, and parasols, but also could be bought. Sears and Roebuck sold a popular product called Dr. Rose's Arsenic Complexion Wafers, which were just that, little white chalk wafers filled with arsenic for delicate nibbling. They were specifically advised as perfectly harmless. So they would sell these little wafers that you just nibble on because arsenic was it. Arsenic was the new kale. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the rage. And I guess arsenic was finally banned as a food additive in 1903. But I don't think it like was really ever formally banned for anything else. So wild. Wild. Which leads me to my last poison because we're going to have to do a part two on poisons. But lead paint. Lead was added to paint as a way to help with coloring like I guess it helped like make the paint color stand out be more vibrant and it also helped it not flake literally anything that was painted was poisonous every apartment or how anywhere I've lived I feel like has Lead I paint. feel like you get like the little warning thing when you move in like dude the apartment probably that you were in before this place was mm-hmm. For sure. Any older apartment has, like, at least in California, from what I've experienced, you get a brochure when you move in somewhere and it's like, lead warning. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's under the paint, I think. Yeah, I watched a video. I'll link it. I can't remember where, but it was these people in, like, a Victorian home and they went around with this, like, gun thing that told them how much lead was in stuff. They shot the walls. (laughs) Yeah. No, they'd, like, pointed at a cabinet and they're like, oh, yeah, this has 3,000 milliliters or whatever. I don't know there. There's probably a safe amount of... I mean, because otherwise, obviously, they wouldn't be able to, like, rent places to people, but... Or would they? Hey, we're (laughs) gonna get to the bottom of it. The problem with the lead paint back then was that literally all paint had lead in it. So think children's toys. Yeah. Apparently lead is an incredible wood preserver. And we all know children put shit in their mouth. Like toys and whatever. They just drool on shit, put stuff in their mouth. And I guess lead does not have a bad taste. 
children were sticking toys in their mouths, biting on cribs, all of that that was painted with lead paint. And there was no like gross indicator to like stop. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have a bad taste. So children, if they weren't dying, lead poisoning led to so much stuff, including a lot of like nervous system issues and a lot of behavioral issues if they survive. And again, like arsenic, lead was really hard to detect because it resembled so many different ailments. I thought this was interesting. And after I learned about it, I was like, do I know anybody with that? A man named Henry Burton in 1840 called a very thin line. It's like a blue black line that was visible along the gums along the gums and the teeth like you know like the top of your Uh like fire gums there was like a line that goes through it that was like a black kind of blue line and it's now coined as the burton line and it was a very good indicator of lead poisoning huh but if you had that line it was most likely too late another indicator would be like a grayish kind of skin tone interesting pretty interesting i mean it's no wonder people didn't live very long and i was gonna say the more we do this show and the more we talk about this i'm like oh it actually makes a lot of sense why the longevity yeah was not very high we're not even getting into the half of it either i'm telling you (laughs) part two insane well we're gonna take a quick break and come back with and And we're going to come back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. 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 All right. We'll be right back. If you've ever considered a career as a licensed funeral director, Fine Mortuary College's online associate degree program can be completed in just two years. Being a funeral director is about human services. It's about helping the living as they navigate the grieving process. The curriculum focuses on all aspects of funeral service, including the psychology, science, and business requirements of the profession. Fine Mortuary College is dedicated to providing an inclusive, engaging, and innovative educational experience that challenges and prepares tomorrow's funeral service professionals. If you'd like to schedule a virtual info session to learn more about the school, program, and profession, please visit their website at www.fmc.edu to reserve your spot. That's www.fmc.edu. And we're back. Well, Madison, we're always talking about death, death, death. We're talking about these why people died so early back in the days. Well, today I am talking about the people who waited the longest to experience death. Ooh. That's right. Okay. My Coffin Spinner this week is about the longest living people in history. Oh my gosh. Okay. It was actually really fun to research. It felt like, I remember when I was a kid and we would get the Guinness Book of World Records every year or something at school. I always loved like going to the like freaky human section and like Uh seeing that shit we will start with the oldest verified living woman and that was ms jean comment who was born on february 21st of 1875 and passed away on august 4th of 1997 Mm -hmm. there's no need to grab your calculator i'll tell you jean lived to be 122 years old stop it right now Uh uh-huh well specifically 122 years and 164 days the woman from france held several records throughout her life In 1986, she became the oldest living person in France when she turned 111, but she was just getting started. She's like, no, I got at least another decade in me. In 1995, 
She became the oldest woman recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records. And then, of course, in 1997, when she passed at 122, her life came to an end, but she still to this day holds the record for being the world's longest living human. And oh, it's crazy that it was in our God. lifetime. That is crazy. I, I want to know her secret. Oh, well, we'll get there. Okay. First of all, she smoked until she was 117. Oh, I love her. <laughs> love her. Just not defying a lot. all the odds. Just after meals, specifically after dinner. She would have her after dinner cigarette. I guess one of her ex-husbands or deceased husbands, she outlived them all, mm-hmm. turned her on to smoking. And then, you know, she just kept up with it. And she, uh, she also had several injuries throughout her life, but nothing life-threatening. Just a fracture here and there. She had a foot fracture. When she was 100 years old, but healed really quickly and was completely fine a little bit later. God, love her. Love her. Just a little more information on her. After her admission to the Maison du Lac nursing home in January of 1985, when she was 109, she initially followed a highly ritualized daily routine where every day she asked that they would wake her up at 6.45 a.m. She would start her day out with a prayer, just saying, you know, thanks God for for another day. (laughs) Sometimes she could be overheard loudly asking the reason for her longevity, I guess, and why she was the only one alive in her family. Oh. This article says seated on her armchair, she did gymnastics wearing her stereo headset. Her exercises <laughs> included flexing and extending the hands, then the legs. Nurses noted that she moved faster than other residents who were 30 years younger, and her breakfast always consisted of coffee with milk and rusks. Coffee with milk and what? Rusks. It's like uh sometimes it's called t- like twice baked bread. It oh, oh, okay, okay. She washed her hair by her herself she would apply soap and olive oil and then powder to her face hopefully without arsenic she washed (laughs) her own glass and cutlery before going to lunch she loved braised beef but was not a fan of boiled fish she had dessert with every meal and said that given a choice she would eat fried and spicy foods instead of the bland foods on the menu yes she loved chocolate she would have it all the time And every time she finished a meal, she would have a Dunhill cigarette and drink a small amount of port wine. Oh, this woman. I love her. You'll love her even more after this. Every afternoon, she would take a nap for two hours in her armchair. Okay, I do that. And then she'd go pay some visits to the neighbors, talk about the latest news that she heard on the radio. And then again, she, you know, she would have a, a late night meal, listen to some music. And smoke another cigarette and then go to bed at 10 p.m. I want her life. She hit up Sunday church and just had a lot of questions, I guess, when she was living about the afterlife, which I would too. I mean, you had a lot of time to think about it. Totally. She's got to have a sense of humor. Totally. She died of unspecified causes on August 4th of 1997, around 10 o'clock in the morning. She had, I guess, been in pretty good health leading up to it, though she was almost blind and deaf as recently as a month before her death. But my favorite fact is that she fucking met Van Gogh in 1888 when he came and purchased pencils at her father's shop that she worked at. Oh my god. And she like lived through the 90s. That's I was just like that's so crazy. She lived to me. through every decade. That's incredible. Everything. The Spanish flu, like all all the wars, every I mean she was living in France, but like just so much crazy shit. Oh, Insane. My gosh. I feel like 
Parisians just have it right. Always. I feel like they have they have life right. Yeah. Such a good vibe. And just like nothing is off limits. Everything in moderation. Well, you know, unless you have a problem. But, you know, it's like totally. wine and cheese and a cigarette, chocolate. Live your life. I mean, I'm a big proponent. We've talked about this before of do what makes you fucking happy. Everything's gonna kill you, as we know. I mm-hmm. mean, like when people are like, oh, you shouldn't drink a Diet Coke or you shouldn't do I'm like, listen. Oh, please, lady. If I drop dead tomorrow, I'm gonna be thrilled that I had a bubbly Diet Coke every evening. Totally. <laughs> if that's what does it for you. Oh, please. Let me, I'd rather live. Because you know what? And this is actually something that always sticks with me. I used to have this client that I worked with and her cousin was the epitome of like a Kourtney Kardashian like kale mom like worked out religiously took such good care of herself young in her I think early 30s Mm -hmm. just drops dead of an aneurysm yeah it and you're like you don't know you don't know just be kind to yourself like nobody wants to I don't know maybe people love living like that but I think certain people need that that's like for their mental health or for their to avoid depression like that's what they need Mm -hmm. but if you spend your whole life forcing yourself to follow what you think you're supposed to be doing Uh I I don't picture that a happy existence I'd rather I guess I have more of that like have fun (laughs) while you're here like like enjoy it while you can and I think she had that mentality too which just makes me love her but you'll hear some other different types of people on here so right behind her is this woman named Sarah Noss who was born in 1880 and passed away in 1999 at 119 years old and 97 days which still I just I can't imagine living to be like 120 years old that's so wild to me crazy but she's got some stiff competition because the current oldest living person is a woman named Kane Tanaka from Japan who was born in 1903 let's hear it for the women yes and is currently 100 19 years and 39 days old. Oh. I, I feel like it's a long-standing fact, which would actually be interesting to look into for a coffin spinner, is like why men die earlier than women. They're not as strong. Yeah, they're not as smart. Yeah. For Kane, who's, you know, still living, knock on wood, her family says she keeps her mind and body engaged by doing math and remaining curious. Oh, I love it. Also hailing from Japan is the world's oldest living living man, Hiroman Kimura, who was born in March of 1907 and lived until June of 2013, passing away at the ripe old age of 116 years and 54 days. Wow. This guy, Kimura, was health conscious and active. So he took more of like the health route with it. And that's what he thinks led him to having this long life. He woke up early in the morning, read the newspaper with a magnifying glass. He enjoyed talking to guests. He would watch debates on television and he credited eating small portions of food food as the key to a long and healthy life and so if that's the key i'm like sorry babe i'm i like an entree (laughs) yeah (laughs) the other male to hold the record for the oldest person living was puerto rican emiliano mercado del toro who was born on august 21st of 1891 he held the record in 2005 and was also once the oldest living veteran after serving in the u.s air force during world war one wow how old is he He was 115 years old. Wow. Yes, he was actually the world's oldest 
person for six weeks following the death of 116-year-old Elizabeth Bolden on December 11th of 2006. I don't know what he credits it to. But one thing that I thought was really cute and sweet is the world's longest married couple. Oh, They got married on February 7th of 1941. It was Julio Cesar Mora Tapia of Ecuador who was born in March of 1910, and 104-year-old Waldramina Maclovia Quinteros Reyes, born October 16, 1915, and they were the oldest married couple at 110 and 104 years old. They'd been married for over 79 years. Together, they have a combined age of 214 years and 358 days. Wow. Crazy fact, Julia was born before the RMS Titanic sank. Quote, family unity under the rules of love, mutual respect, honest work, and proper education based on family values are the keys to a healthy coexistence, the couple said. Love that. And then I found an article from insider.com. It's a little wordy. I'm just going to read a few little snippets from there from an article called from eating delicious things to avoiding marriage these are the secrets to a long (laughs) life according to people beyond 100 misao okawa was the world's oldest living person until her death at age 117 in 2015 and said that eating delicious things is the key to my longevity (laughs) she was born in 1898 in japan and japan fun fact has the most centenarians in the world In 2018, the country had 69,785 people over the age of 100, nearly 90% of whom were women. So, again. (laughs) Yeah. But she cited eating sushi and getting a good night's sleep as the reason for her long life. Love it. And then we have Emma Murano, who was the world's oldest living person from 2016 until her death at 117 in 2017. She ate two raw eggs a day and loved cookies. She believed her long life was partially due to genetics, but also ate a diet of three eggs a day, two of them raw, for more than 90 years. Wow. Okay. 116-year-old Gertrude Weaver said that her secret to long life was kindness. You treat people right and be nice to other people the way you want them to be nice to you. And then we'll end with my favorite. At 109 years old, Jessie Galland was Scotland's oldest living person. Her secret to long life was avoiding men. They're just more (laughs) trouble than they're worth, she said. (laughs) Amen, sister. Amen. We love it. But that's, yeah, a little glimpse into the world of the longest living people. Well, Spencer, I don't know if you know this, but I've got uh, someone in my family who lived till 107. Your grandma. My great grandma, yeah. Your great grandma. Was she the one who, we've talked about her, I feel like. She's the God doesn't. Okay, so my grandma, so she was her mother-in-law. So she was my grandpa's mom. Like, we would all kind of sit around and be like, oh my God, why isn't she dead yet? Like, And I remember (laughs) this vividly because I was, I mean, I think she was still alive. She was alive until I was like 13, 14. Yeah, I remember us like sitting there like, oh, why is she still alive? <laughs> and my gr- my grandma was like, because God doesn't want her and the devil doesn't either. <laughs> That's my favorite quote oh. of all times. But how? what did she say about being 107? Well, you were talking. I pulled up the news article that was written about her. 
A news article was written about her when she was 106, but she died, obviously. She died a year after that. But it says, The Californian from way back attributes her longevity to walks and a daily bowl of oatmeal. Do you want me to read the article? It's funny. Yeah. Okay. It says, The birth date on Clara Essig's driver's license says it all. 12-12-97. That's 1897. <laughs> Essig turns 106 today. She can't hear much anymore, and she mostly talks about her days as a Hollywood script girl. But she still irks the people who live below her by rearranging her furniture at all hours. Wonder you where are I get her, it. By the way, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say this whole thing. You are her. She credits her longevity to the long walks she takes around her assisted living center and a bowl of oatmeal a day. She keeps her old photographs in a drawer in her room. One shows her standing on a beach with two young men, smiling big, wearing an old-fashioned bathing skirt. The date on the back says 1918, the year World War I ended. Another picture, brown with age, shows her as a young debutante in pearls. She worked for a few years back then at Paramount Studios and says she was offered movie roles, but her father declared, no pictures. And I remember that vividly. She would like, Tell us that all the time. <laughs> oh, he wanted me to be in the pictures, but he said, no pictures, no pictures. <laughs> Them were my studio days, she said. Them days are over. Essig was born in New York to a German father and a Swiss mother, both newly arrived in America. The family moved to California when she was young, and she grew up around Hollywood, according to her granddaughter. Her first husband served in World War I, but her granddaughters know few other details. Her second husband raised oranges near Corona. She later moved to Sierra Madre, where she kept avocado trees and climbed them well into her 90s. She moved about a decade ago, buying a three-story condo against her family's advice. I fucking remember that condo. It felt so big. (laughs) She moved to the assisted living center three years ago. The other residents there sometimes call her grandma. (laughs) She fell not long ago and cut her head then lost her patience with the doctor stitching her up. I'd like to take you outside, she told the surprised doctor. (laughs) That's my favorite part. And have a fist fight with you. (laughs) Essig uses a walker now, but it's mostly a precaution. She moves fast enough to leave her granddaughters behind. She hasn't driven a car in years, even though her license won't expire until 2009. She'll probably be here to renew it, too. Her family is planning to celebrate her 106th birthday with a big vanilla cake. Essig doesn't like chocolate. Huh. And a simple party at the assisted living center. They'll spell out 106 in frosting instead of attempting it with 106 candles. But Essig acknowledges that she's lived a little longer than she expected. It's time to let other people take over, she said. Crazy. Love her. I I don't have any super long living relatives. (laughs) Everyone dies very randomly. And my family, well, my great grandma, Lil, she lived late, late 90s. Oh, that's pretty up there. Like mid 90s, I want to say. She loved a snack. She loved donuts. She loved playing cards and talking shit oh that's all i want to do like i'm ready to do that take on that life now just play cards talk shit 
eat sweets. Oh, yeah. I guess that's what I do. (laughs) My grandma had a little slot machine that she would sit at and like babysit (laughs) me and teach me how to play cards. (laughs) God. God, I love it. I hope we're cool, cool grandparents. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break, then get into our obituaries. Yes, sir. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're back. Also, thanks. <laughs> we were dying laughing because we saw some of the comments coming in today of like, oh, good, you guys are sponsored. Are the episodes sponsored? <laughs> We're like, I think we're maybe the only two people in this world lucky enough to have people who listen to us that are like excited (laughs) that we have ads. I love it. Thank you for the support. Well, I was inspired by you this week, Spencer, because I know you're in your cowboy era. So yes, I was just looking at cowboys and... Um, rubbing one out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was looking at... We're leaving that in. Oh, no. Well, speaking of rubbing one out... Oh, God. Uh-huh. Did I tell you about my sex dream? No. I didn't? No. I had a sex dream the other night. Oh, God. And I think it's because... Okay, well, I've been watching that show. Well, I just finished it. The woman in the window across the street from the girl and the whatever. Oh, you know? is that good? Uh, there's a lot of plot holes and stuff, but I, I liked it. it as I mean, you know, I love like a Lifetime-ish movie and I feel like it played an homage to movies like that in the, from the past, like Rear Window and, and things yeah. like that. Uh, really wild ending on this series, though. But there's a crazy sex scene mm-hmm. in it. And I had watched it that night, fell asleep, had a dream that I hooked up with the craziest, ugly-looking old man. (laughs) Old, old, like, balding, white hair, glasses, like... Cute. Horrible. And then I Googled it the next day to be like, why did I dream that? Mm Mm-hmm. And it just said, if you dream that, that means death is coming. (gasps) And I tried to click on the article to read more about that, and then all these pop-ups came up. It's like, I got to get out of here. Like dirty pop-ups? No, it was just like, you've won a Walmart gift card for $500. And I'm like, okay, well, I still won't go to Walmart. So So wait, if you have a dream that you're having sex with an old man, it means death is coming? I don't know exactly what I Googled. I Googled like ugly. (laughs) 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 I don't know. 
sorry. Go on. Oh so, yes. my God. Well, Let, let's throw that lasso and reel it back in. Do you know who Wyatt Earp is? Yes. Okay. So Wyatt Earp had, for those of you that don't know, he was like a cowboy outlaw. He had a best friend named Doc Holliday. And I found his obituary that was published in 1887. What a cool name. I think he was a doctor. Oh. <laughs> he, like I'm sorry. He was a dentist, I believe. Oh. So it goes like this. And I feel like I should do it in a, a little accent, a little twang. How do you guys feel about that? <laughs> I won't because I'll no, fuck do it, it up. No. Do it. No. <laughs> Come on, try it. J.A. Holiday died in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, Tuesday, November 8th, 1887, about 10 o'clock a.m. of consumption. Consumption? Consumption, babe. J.A. Holiday, or Doc Holiday, as he was better known, came to Glenwood Springs from Leadville last May, and by his quiet and gentlemanly demeanor during his short stay and the fortitude and patience he displayed in his last two months of life, made many friends. Although a young man, he had been in the West for 25 years and from a life of exposure and hardship had contracted consumption, from which he had been a constant sufferer for many years. We had to stop because we were like, what the hell? What is dying of consumption? And it is, I guess, tuberculosis. Oh, I thought it meant overeating. Yeah, or like maybe that was a, a euphemism for drinking. Yeah. No, I guess it's tuberculosis. You'll learn something new on this show every week. Since he took up his residence at the springs, the evil effects of the sulfur vapors arising from the hot springs on his weak lungs could readily be detected. And for the last few months, it was seen that a disillusion was only the question of a little time. Hence, his death was not entirely unexpected. From the effects of the disease, from which he had suffered probably half his life, Holiday, at the time of his death, looked like a man well advanced in years, for his hair was silvered and his form emaciated and bent, but he was only 36 years of age. Holiday was born in Georgia, where relatives of his still reside. 25 years ago, when but 11 years of age, he started from the West, and since that time, he was probably been in every state and territory west of the Mississippi River. He served as sheriff in one of the countries of Arizona, in one of the counties of Arizona, during, <laughs> during the troublous times in that section, and served in other official capacities in different parts of the West. Of him, it can be said that he represented law and order at all times and places, either from a roving nature or while seeking a climate congenial to his disease. Doc kept moving about from place to place and finally in the early days of Leadville came to Colorado. After remaining there for several years, he came to this section last spring. For the last two months, his death was expected at any time. During the past 57 days, he had only been out of his bed twice. The past two weeks, he was delirious, and for 24 hours preceding his death, he did not speak. He was baptized in the Catholic Church, but Father Ed Downey being absent, Rev. W.S. Rudolph delivered the funeral address, and the remains were consigned to their final resting place in Linwood Cemetery at 4 o'clock 
on the afternoon of November 8th in the presence of many friends. That Doc Holliday had his faults none will attempt to deny. But who among us has not? And who shall be the judge of these things? He only had one correspondent among his relatives, a cousin, a sister of charity in Atlanta, Georgia. She will be notified of his death and will in turn advise any other relatives he may have living. Should there be an aged father or mother, they will be pleased to learn that kind and sympathetic hands were about their son in his last hours and that his remains were accorded Christian burial. I know it says that he didn't speak, but I read about his last words and his last words that he spoke, I guess, was, well, I'll be damned. This is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Us. I know. I love that. A little dentist, assassin. He lived a life. He lived a life. And I also love reading an obituary from the 1800s because of the way it's written. The verbiage, everything is so good. Yeah. So there you go, cowboy. Giddy up. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What do you got for me? I have an obituary for... I'm going to leave out the last name. Okay. For a man named Hubert, who went by the nickname Sonny. Okay. Sonny went to heaven on December 28th of 2021. He was the son of Hubert Sr. and Daisy. He was born September 24th, 1934 in Olean, New York. And that's where he spent his childhood. He married Yvonne in 1953. And together they had one daughter, Sharon, two grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. His parents owned and operated the Little Tea Room in their town back in the 50s and 60s. Sonny was a mason and a shriner for over 50 years. For the last several years, he and his wife, Yvonne, have resided at the Masonic home of Florida in St. Petersburg. He was a teller of tall tales of magnificent proportions and what he didn't know he made up. The stories changed, the fish got bigger. He (laughs) knew he wasn't making it up. He did not care. His intent was to make people laugh and he was born to entertain. He picked up a set of drumsticks at the age of six and made music and no one knew how he could possibly do that, but he did. He played drums for the rest of his life. This is, I think, his daughter writing it. Had a band when I was a kid called the Pink Poodles. The Pink Poodles! Pink Poodles. He did not care about male and female roles in the 60s and 70s. He washed clothes, cleaned house, and cooked dinner. He adored his mother and his older sister. He gave literally hundreds of hours to the Masonic Lodge and the Shrine, especially the Shrine Band. He never complained. He devoted his life to doing the right thing, and his motto, do the basics, get up in the morning, go to work, go to school, just do the basics, and the rest will work out. Which I love because I'm a big proponent of like, make your bed, get up, Mm -hmm. do your shit, you'll have, you know, everything else is figured out. He would give his last dime to a person in need and would go 100 miles out of his way to help anyone even if they didn't ask. He drove thousands of kids on their school bus trips. He always had a kind word for the kid being bullied and was known to teach a kid how to fight back and also when to let it roll off. He drank more than his fair share of some medicinal liquids with relatives, friends, and enemies and took pure joy in getting other people knee-walking drunk. Even me when I grew up. Every time he was bartender, it was sure to be a party. He would just giggle, and if I heard someone ask him to be a bartender, I knew it would be fun to stick around and watch old folks make fools of themselves. 
He taught me how to change a tire, work hard, be fair to people, and take a walk in someone else's shoes. He made me watch old black and white movies and PBS, and to this day, I can still recite quotes from the bridge over River Kwai and the big red one. And I love PBS, and you will love football. I hauled and mixed (laughs) concrete before I was a teenager, and he said I I never could hold a flashlight still enough for him. (laughs) I learned a lot about hardware stores, one of his favorite places in the whole world, and I can name every wrench, screwdriver, and drill bit by name because of him. He loved that I was a girl, and he showed me my worth, but always secretly wished I was a boy. He always said, yes, you can, instead of no, you can't, you're a girl. He was my hero and my direction. When I needed stabilizing, he did not hesitate to show me the direction I needed to go. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. He never said I told you so. He was my biggest fan, even in failure. On my last visit, he was riding in the Mart cart at Walmart. He was thrilled to be moving around, just having a great time, and he wore me out. That was December 12th of 2021. There were a thousand other things he did for me. He helped raise my precious children and taught them what a man and father should be. He hated my ex with a passion and threatened to shoot him many times, but he never did. (laughs) The years were kind to him, and he was strong as an ox, but his mind started to slip, and he became scared and angry, afraid of things and people. Dementia stepped in and knocked him over, but God helped us and took him quick. I did not want him to suffer, and God heard me. We will miss him. He was my rock, my biggest fan, and my friend. It will always be my daddy. And then it just has the service information there. But I just thought is a pretty solid one what in my book. What a sweetie, yeah. That one was a good mix of good life advice. Sounds like just a good guy. Funny, mm-hmm. but also kind of tugs at your heartstrings. And like a little like a little shade here and there. Yep. <laughs> just, it <laughs> is a good one. Aww. I feel like I love an obituary that really is representative of the person. Because mm-hmm. not everyone needs a scathing or hilarious or this or that. Like ours, I feel like would probably be pretty goofy. <laughs> totally, we are. But yeah, I don't know. I like when it, I like when they encapsulate a person. Oh, so sweet. Well, it's time for some dumb ass criminal. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Do it. All righty, Spencer. I have a story about a woman. And, well, first of all, hold on. Let me set the scene, okay? It's November 21st, 2020. It is a Sunday. You are an old person and you are at home, okay? All right. Oh, and you're in Citrus County, Florida. Florida. You hear someone trying to break in. And that person breaks in. You get a glimpse of them. And they are a 35-year-old woman who begins stripping down. No. Yes. So At the old person's house? Yes. So, okay. There were two people over 65 in the house. This woman named Heather Cruz, she's 35 years old, breaks into the house. I guess she, like, went through a side door of the garage. She walks in the house. She begins stripping down, gets buck-ass naked. <laughs> then she see, you know, they she like, I guess, makes eye contact with one of the elderly people. And she goes up to one of them fully naked and starts hugging them. Oh. 
then she sat on the other resident's lap and started giving them a lap dance and was oh saying, Oh my God. Oh, she said, Oh, you like that? And these people have no clue who she is. They're fucking freaked out. So they call the police and they're like just completely stunned. And they're trying to get her to leave like before the police come. They manage to get her to the front door still naked. They like get her to the front door and she turns around and she grabs one of their balls and makes a bunch of sexual remarks. And then the Citrus County police arrive and Heather's still naked. The police are trying to arrest her for you know breaking and entering and exposing herself and they keep saying like put a shirt on we got to put some clothes on you and we have to handcuff you she refuses to put a shirt on she's getting handcuffed they finally stick her into the back of the police car and she kicks one of the policemen in the chest (gasps) while he's trying to close the door of the squad car (laughs) and then so they have to call back up And more squad cars arrived and she's moved to a different car where she kicks another officer in the chest. Oh, my God. (laughs) So according to WBTW.com, it says, quote, Cruz now faces three counts of battery on persons 35 years of age or older, two counts of battery on a law enforcement officer, and one count of resisting an officer with violence, burglary with battery, exposure of sexual organs, and battery. Cruz was transported to the Citrus County Detention Facility and held on a $48,000 bond. Oh my god, that is not where I thought the story was going. (laughs) When you told it, I thought it was going to be like, she was a stripper that got the wrong house. (laughs) That's literally. That's what I thought it was. And I was like, when the police get there, then she's going to be like, no, I was hired. And then. And then there, the police are going to start stripping like you're (laughs) under arrest. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? What a bitch. Don't do that. Don't do that to elderly people. Don't do that to anybody. Come on. Crazy. Uh, Well, my story today also comes from Florida. Shock, 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 shock. Here's what happened. Uh, April 26, 2019, Monday night at a jail in DeSoto County. Two officers get there, or detectives actually, 22-year-old Francine Olson and 24-year-old Brandon Reyes. They go into the sheriff's office. They buzz themselves in on the jail's entrance intercom. But the people at the that worked at the sheriff's office hadn't met them yet. I mean, they're young. They're like new, new detectives. And they tell the staff, you know, we're new. Then... It it turns out that they they weren't detectives at all. <laughs> they had gone in there to spring their partner, forty year old George Chanza, out of jail, who had been oh. arrested for an outstanding warrant. <laughs> oh my god! The ruse failed. Deputies arrested both of them and charged them both with third degree felony false impersonation of a law enforcement officer oh my god those are ride or die friends i guess the deputies said that the pair didn't manage to get their friend out of jail but they were able to unite them with him behind bars (laughs) (laughs) people i've seen this a few times where people have tried to break into jails and (laughs) i'm like you just are 
<laughs> You're not. It's not worth it. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Oh well, I'm just so glad we're perfect and we just <laughs> don't make any mistakes. Yeah. Even if people try and tell us, yeah. <laughs> we don't do it. And you're wrong. We are not the problem. We're not the problem, people. Yeah, and that's something that I, I also apply to my life outside of this. I'm never the problem. <laughs> Just be in denial. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Well, what do we got to tell you? Hey, maybe go leave us a rating if you like this shit. I also saw you could rate on Spotify, which I didn't even know, but I think a lot cool. of you have, which is so nice. Um, rate and review on I wish iTunes. I had Spotify to see. <laughs> yeah. Go rate us five stars on uh, title. Um, <laughs> you could follow along online at obituary pod anytime you want to see the photos from each week's episode. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't, but that is our morale. That is what we do here. And you can also write to us obitpod at gmail.com and get a cameo by clicking the link in the description or the link in the bio on our Instagram. But that's it for this week, so we'll see you next time with some more Coffin Spinners. Obituaries. And dumb. Ass criminals. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.